Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff, and thank you so much for joining us for episode 563. In today's interview, I interview Jack Stallman, and I think you're going to find him very funny and smart. I know Jack from the speaking circuit, and let me tell you a little bit about Jack before we jump into the interview. His entertaining and informative presentations are built around his experience in Los Angeles as an actor, producer, and director. And, of course, a waiter. In Hollywood, he launched his own production company, which created several films that enjoyed international success. And he was an assistant director for the Margaret Chow stand-up show, Chow Revolution. As an actor, his shining moment came in a co-star role on the CBS drama Cold Case, where he played a wimpy park ranger. He also appeared briefly, very briefly, he says, on the Days of Our Lives and several commercials. He's been a business and pop culture contributor to the Huffington Post. And in this interview, Jack and I talk about what Jack means by the intangible it, his story about meeting George Clooney, what he means by the upside, and strategies to find the upside more often. To find the full show notes as well as a transcription of this interview, you can head over to syndracampoff.com slash 563 for episode 563. And if you enjoyed this interview, please leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening. This helps us reach more and more people each week and we would be forever grateful. Let's bring on Jack. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset. I'm excited to have Jack Stallman here today on the podcast. I think we're going to laugh and have some fun times today, Jack, because my stomach already hurts from smiling and laughing (laughs) with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasted all our good material off air here, so it's all downhill from here, but glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Sandra. You bet. Um, I am a fellow speaker and uh, have seen you speak multiple times. I was trying to kind of think yesterday as we were preparing for this, how many times I've heard you and I I don't know. I uh, Five, six, seven, maybe. Could it be yeah, maybe. something we, like that? We have had some amazing crossover, which is interesting in our world because it doesn't always work that way. We're often ships passing in the night. So it's, it's nice that uh, we each can kind of uh, talk about what we both you know, sort of speak on with some, with some knowledge. So that's great. Exactly. Exactly. And so for those people who are are just listening and they haven't heard you speak before, tell us a little bit about what you're most passionate about and what you're doing now. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of my, my whole shtick is I, in a former life, I used to be an, an actor, a producer, a waiter, excuse me, there was something in my throat there. I was I was a waiter for a little bit in Los Angeles. And I learned these lessons um, that I, I think I learned them the hard way, right? I learned these mm-hmm. lessons the hard way that I, I deliver to audiences in a really light and, and fun way. And so uh, what I did is I sort of just, when I started my career, I sort of was like, okay, I have these weird encounter stories with Arnold Schwarzenegger and with um, uh, George Clooney exactly. and Winnie, Winnie Cooper from the Wonder Years. And I'm like, these are really interesting stories at the bar. How could, <laughs> how can I, you know, kind of make them interesting at the workplace? And I realized that in each one of them, there was some sort of, uh, some sort of message and some sort of moral. And so I created um, uh, my, my first sort of baby and, and still sort of my, to use sports analogies, I think that's safe here in this, in this. Yes, you know it. Ball. My fastball is the the intangible it, yes. and it's the it factor that a movie star has 
you can't quite put your finger on what that is. Um, I sort of break it down for audiences in, in several steps and we have a lot of fun along the way. So my whole, my whole formula is that I hope it's really fun and light. And so people leave smiling, laughing, and then walk out the door and get a little upset. Like, Hey, that, that guy just fooled me. Cause I just learned something that I can actually, you know, use in terms of interpersonal, you know, relationships at, at the workplace and beyond. And so, um, and so that's kind of how, how I came to be. And now I have a, a couple of other topics that I've uh, sprinkled in, but that's truly my baby. And, and really with all, everything I do, I, I always make sure that the, the personal story is in there and, and a lot of the Hollywood stories, because people I've noticed just kind of want to, want to hear them, you know, these yeah. bizarre things that happen. So I want to hear them. And I think that's <laughs> what we're going to dive into today is like this invisible it, what actually that is. We're also going to talk about the upside, which is one of your keynotes. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to dive into that. And I'm just curious about, you know, as I think about your time in Hollywood, gosh, how much of a grind that can be and how competitive it is and how difficult it might be from a mindset perspective to believe that you deserve to be there and get some of these roles that you've been in. Um, some commercials and cold case, for example. Um, and uh, gosh, what mindset do you think it takes to be really successful there? Well, I think that's a great, you know, I feel like if, if you came into my life 20 years ago, I might've had a more successful acting career <laughs> <laughs> because it really, uh, the, it is, it, it was a grind and ultimately that's, that's why I stepped away and, um, with, without, well, maybe just a small tinge of bitterness, but I would say less bitterness than most people walk away from because I did get the opportunity to, to do a few things. I acted in some stuff that people know is on TV. I know. I Days things. of our lives, my mother-in-law is going to be like, they still record those and watch them <laughs> on their C their VCRs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that one is is big. I, I tell you what, you know, because now I'm a little bit uh, doughier. I'm older now in my forties. And it's, it's funny when that line in my intro gets a little, Ooh, I feel like the audience thinks I'm going to be some plastic hunk. And then I get up there and I'm just this average guy. Um, <laughs> but, but that is one where um, when I was on it, so many friends came out of the woodwork, male and female alike, where I was just like, Oh, you watch that. You know, they're kind of busted yeah. watching. Yeah. <laughs> Well, watching a soap opera. <laughs> so, but, mm -hmm. but that was really the, the launching point for me in my, in my acting career. Um, I, kind of a weird story. I don't tell this one on stage, but I, I was working at Sears, okay. a big time job, $8 an hour at Sears and <laughs> uh, in Burbank. And this gentleman came in with a, a complicated return. He was returning a a phone, like not a smartphone. This was before that. And, and, and I had to call like the headquarters and every salesperson hates returns because it doesn't help your, you know, bottom line. And, but I, it worked out really well for me. His wife was there. And at the end of this conversation where I'm helping him, his wife says, Oh, Roy, give him your card. And it was Roy Steinberg, the executive producer of days of our lives. Oh my God. <laughs> that is not how you got on days of our lives. That's how I got on days. That's of our lives. amazing. Yeah, it just, you know, 
a nice lesson in you never know who you're talking to. You never know what the benefit can be. So wow. you almost always want to be on your A game or at least always be a nice person, right? <laughs> because yeah. you just never know the person who can who can really help you out. And, and as, give you opportunities, right? Yes, and as yeah. that's going on, so he he put me in as a as an extra, you know, it's just a background person. And but but in soaps, it's kind of weird. Um in soaps, it's a good thing to be an extra. It's first of all, it's union, it pays really well. And they promote from within on soap. Mm. So I did get a speaking line in quotes, uh, not much of one, uh, but it that's what got me my union cards and everything else. And then fast forward 15 years later, I'm writing a book um, with a co-writer and we decided we wanted to call it Days of Our Work Lives. So I, I called him up. Awesome. I called Roy up and I said, first of all, do you think we can use this title? I, I'm pretty sure we're safe under parody law. Second, will you write the introduction? And he and he did. So um, that's amazing. <laughs> really fun uh, relationship I've had with and he's now out of the soap opera business. He's now doing theater out east. Um, summer stock kind of stuff, uh, just kind of a passion project for him. So it's been really fun to to stay in touch. But that's that was that was part of it, you know. And it's just sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. Lots of lots of failed auditions out there in LA. Yeah. Took yeah. me a, a couple of years before that you come numb to that. Sure. Um, but fast forwarding that into the real world. I have no problem on a cold call having somebody tell me no, because that's, yeah, you know, that's, I, I've heard no my whole life as an actor. And as an actor, it's kind of nice. You never really know why it's a no. You could be two inches too short, two inches too tall. Your hair color could be wrong. It might have nothing to do with how much your talent is. Um, so you just start to learn how to take those things. But I will say after five years, um, I, I could see that uh, I wasn't going to be the next Brad Pitt. I was going to be this character actor. And and I just, I did kind of lose the passion. But the good news for me is that's, I was uh, in tune with that, I think. Sure. I think a lot of people out there are not. Yeah. And then yeah. they just end up being, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. 50, 60 year old um, doing something they don't want to do. You know, yeah. whether that be in casting or, you know, some they wanted to be an actor and it didn't quite work. And, you know, it was it was almost a relief for me to be like, you know, what I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah. uh, then it was, you know, a whole bunch of a life reset to figure out what it is I did want to do. But it was nice. It was also nice to be just done and and walk away with no regrets. Well, what I'm hearing is just the process of becoming an actor and actress is you know, so much resilience. And I think about how we all need lessons about moving on and failure and how are we making sense of failure? And do we believe that it's personal, right? And what I heard mm. you say is I might be two inches too short or too, too, too tall or whatever. And so, I mean, I think when we take failure really personally, that's when it really does impact our self-esteem and our confidence and really, you know, it negatively impacts our performance in the long run in the short term. Oh, totally. You know, and I even, I talk a little bit about this on stage once in a while. I sprinkle this, this thought in is I'm a very much a, a process goals guy. 
not a results goals guy. And the difference in my mind is yeah. the process is mm-hmm. I need to make X amount of phone calls today to get the sale or, you know, whatever, whatever it is in your life, you yeah. know, what's, what's the task that you have to do. Right. So I'm kind of addicted to, I have a CRM and I'm addicted to like getting those tasks done as quickly you know, as I can, cool. because that's the goal. The result right. w- will follow if the process is correct. Right. So that's different in every field. I don't want to pretend to be a process expert, but from a mindset, you know, that way you're not, um, you know, you're not really down in the dumps if you didn't book a a gig today, or if you didn't, you know, if you're in the interview process and you didn't get that job, so many reasons that are outside of your control, where if you were doing the process, right, it still may not have mattered. You may have been the most qualified for that job, but the boss's, you know, son, you know, applied or what, you know, whatever happened or, um, you know, one that's one that's crazy to me, the more curtains I look behind in corporate America. And, and it does sort of make sense. Sometimes people, if they're looking for a promotion, they don't get it. It's because they're too valuable at their current, <laughs> current role. And sure. that, you know, and so the, the, the employer is thinking kind of, selfishly like I, I need this person in that role so the, a million reasons that things can't yeah. go and yeah it's way easier said than done but to remind yourself like well did I do everything that I can do and how can I make an adjustment from there um, yeah awesome uh, lesson actually. and when you look at the research and high performance process focus is more mm-hmm. Is more valuable than outcome focus. And so many times we attach our our own value to the outcome. Like I am a terrible blank because I didn't get blank, right? And really yeah. uh, so many things are outside of our control when it's related to the outcome. So I think your message is really on point there. Let's dive into the intangible it and maybe start off with what does that actually mean? <laughs> well, I like to, um, you know, it all kind of, <laughs> the whole episode of the intangible, it, the whole presentation uh, has a fulcrum point around an encounter I had with George Clooney, which I was with him for 13 seconds, one, three, 13 seconds with George Clooney. Um, well, you got to tell us about it because okay. I've heard it and I want to hear it again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me get on stage really quickly. Um, so okay, I was, perfect. I, I was driving in uh, in Burbank, California, getting off a, a little exit ramp. It was a little two laner, you know, one lane going left, one lane going right. And it was a, a red light. I'm trying to take a left. And up alongside me in a convertible drove drove up, you know, George Clooney. And, um, and he was looking, you know, he was, he was looking all Clooney. He was looking great. And, uh, <laughs> and listen, I'm sexiest I'm happily... man of the year, 19, whatever. Oh yeah. A <laughs> couple times. Wasn't he even like, I'm a happily married man, but even my wife knows a small piece of my heart drove off in that car that day with George. So, um, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's George Clooney. So I decide, you know, he's, I'm talking on the cell phone with my mom. And just, I'm like really peeking over at him, right? And I decided this isn't good enough. So I, I, lower my, I lower my window to share the same air as George, right? I want to just share that air. And, 
and I'm in, I'm driving a 2001 Saturn. And if you've ever been in one of those, you know that nothing on it is quiet, right? So when the window, I tried to like lower the window, right? And when the window went down, it just sounded like a cat dying, right? <laughs> so just meow, and then like the, it got jammed a little bit. And, and George looks at me and he goes, who are you talking to? And, and I said, I'm, I'm talking to my mom, telling her I'm, I'm looking at you. And, and he just smiles at me and he says, say hello to mom for me. And then he drove off awesome. and that was it. You know, that was it. You know, there was nothing really to it. But um, I even remember at the moment having this sort of thought like, being a little depressed almost afterward because I felt so giddy, you know? And then it like slammed really quick because I realized something I shouldn't, I should have known that George Clooney was cooler than me, but <laughs> but when you're around it, when you see that little just it thing, just a little quick quip is all mm. it took for him to be, you know, engaged mm. in the moment. And um, I realized I really wanted that, you know, not just necessarily as an actor, but as, as like a human, how do you, what is that? And so I, I'll start with this George Clooney story for audiences, and then I'll take them back a step. And I'll say, I'm going to tell you a bunch of celebrity stories, but I want you at this moment to think of somebody who has it for you, that like that thing you can't describe, that, okay. that like magical, and it's a little bit, little bit different for everybody, I'm sure, but we, we all have these people that like we just like to be around right? They just have this engaging quality. And so I imagine, you know, think of that person in your mind, and then imagine, you know, having that skill with everybody you encounter in your life. You know, can you, can you bottle this? And so I step them through me going to my spacious 200 square foot apartment, doing my soul searching about what it is. And then in, you know, depending on the length of my presentation, a little inside trick here. <laughs> it has multiple steps. Four and a half is what I've landed on is really the sweet, sweet spot of what, what, uh, what that magical it thing can be. And that's, that's what we talk about for a while. That's like, fun. What, what, is it that, what is it that people have that we yeah. want? And, yeah. and I won't oversell it. They can't, I, I won't promise that after our hour together, you'll be the next George Clooney. That ship has sailed for me, but, but you could be George Clooney to someone, right? So yeah, uh, it's a, it's a nice cool. thing to have, whether you're customer facing every single day, or even if you're in the back room counting beans, you still have to interact with people and having that it thing makes it, makes your life a little bit easier because people want to work with you and they'll be a little nicer to you if they like you and not have that whole thing. So that's uh, that's where that's where we landed with the. That's band. awesome. Well, when you asked that question, when you you know asked it uh, asked it for us, but I thought about me. What you know? What does this person who has the it factor have? And I think they have presence. Mm. I think they also have fascination. Like I'm just fascinated mm. by them. Like, like I'm intrigued, that. and I like watching what they're doing, and how they're interacting, and like I'm learning. Like, so there's a lot of like intrigue when I think about someone who has the it factor. And, ah. and for some reason, I'm thinking about speakers that I know who I just want to keep watching, you know, like, what are they going to do next? Or how are they going to interact with people off stage? Right. 
Mm -hmm. um, so tell us, can you share with us the four steps, four and a half? <laughs> we sure. can't forget the half. Well, it's funny. It's interesting that you have hit on a couple of them as, Ooh, you, cool. as you're talking here, because presence, you know, I okay. like to call it the gift. That's what okay. I, and what, what I've learned in talking mm -hmm. to people through the years, everybody I've encountered who has had an encounter with George Clooney says the same thing about George Clooney. They say he makes you feel like the most important person in the room. And if you're regularly making people feel that way, yeah, you eventually become the most important person in the room because people just just want that. They want to be engaged in that. And and what's great about it is it doesn't take like a ton of time. Um, with George Clooney, it took 13 seconds. You know, he could have just waved. He could have done nothing. But for 13 seconds, I was the most. He was locked in and what he was doing. So presence exactly. Uh, what you're what you're talking about and we can accomplish that in very very simple ways in our workplaces just in terms of having a thank you note or having a unique way to give someone a promotion I tell a story sometimes about a, um, I was at a company and and the gal across the table was telling me she was she was my point person you know I like to at least hear a little bit about the company before I put my foot in my mouth in front of an audience, right? And this was the day before I was going to speak. And I, she was talking about their culture. And sometimes that's a warning sign for me in my earballs. Sure. When, when I hear people say the word culture a lot, because this isn't always true, but sometimes, you know, people just say that word over and over again to fake it till they make it. I, I feel like a lot of companies don't need to say it. It's not necessarily a hard and fast rule, but it just is, is interesting to me when I hear it. And so anyway, I kind of called her on. I said, well, what are you doing to drive your culture? And she said, well, can you stick around a second? I'm like, yeah. She goes, great. We're going to we're going to promote Robbie today and you're going to you're going to be there. And I'm like, oh, OK, so it's like going to be you, me and Robbie in the office. <laughs> I'm just going to give him a thumbs up like good dude. Great job. She's like, no, we do. We do it different every time. So this is kind of this company's M.O. is that they do a different way of promoting people from within. And um, so we go into this big conference room and she points out who Robbie is. So I'm looking at this guy and he's a skinny kid in his twenties. And she's like, yeah, he's got kind of a, a tough exterior, but he's got a heart of gold and he's a great worker and we're going to promote him today. Okay, great, fine, whatever. We'll see how this goes. And <laughs> she gets up in front of the room. And by the way, this is pre-COVID. I think that's an important detail here. She gets up in, in front of the room and says, uh, thank you everybody for coming to this last minute training session, which of course was all a ruse. You know, she just set this whole thing up. She goes, before we get to that though, um, I want to take a minute to acknowledge Robbie. Uh, and then the screen drops down and she goes, but rather than take my word for it, I thought there were some people who might have a greater impact. And again, wow. pre-COVID, pre his sister, seven states away, gets to make the announcement that congratulations, Robbie, on your promotion. And then the camera wow. cut to Robbie's twin nieces with a message. And, and then it cut to Robbie's mom, who said, I'm so proud of you, and then told a pretty embarrassing story about Robbie. And it was a great moment. You know, it was really fun. And I look yeah. at Robbie, this tough guy, and he was like, he was a puddle, um, just cry, sobbing because for that moment, and this cost this company nothing. He was the most important person in the room. And so mm. it's, just, it's just one of those things where 100% presence, being there, being locked in with people, making people feel special in just small little ways. It doesn't have to be a, a big thing. And then the yeah. other, 
What a great, hold on, time out. That was an awesome story. And I just got goosebumps as I was listening. And I was thinking about Robbie and like the people that are most important to you, right? Saying congratulations. How cool is that? And you know, when I think about when I feel like I'm the most important person to somebody. So I think about, you know, as a speaker, you go and meet a lot of different leaders. You might meet superintendents or CEOs or whoever. And you can tell when they have the ed factor just by the way they inter- interact with you, the speaker. Because mm-hmm. if they kind of blow you off or if they're like, they see you and they shake your hand and they look at you and they're listening and they might ask you a question and you know you know that they're present and they might even ask you something you didn't expect. You know, like more right. detail. So yeah. that's, that's when I feel like I know that I am an important person to other people. I think we can all do that more. Yeah. Or they actually read your bio and knew something about you too. Where it's you're true. Like, what the heck? How oh, you're the you speaker? Find... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that's always uh, in a fun way, very startling for me when somebody's like, oh, I love, you know, I worked with Margaret Cho, the comedian. and so, I like, know. So good. Some People just know some of this little, these little weird, quirky things that I did in these little indie films that were like nothing burgers, but they knew mm. somebody who was connected to it. So, so those, that's always fun for me as well. But yeah, you do get that. You mm. see that in audiences. But the other thing you sort of hit on, well, not accidentally, because hopefully we are describing what the intangible it is, but you talked about intrigue. Right? Yes. And that's yeah. the half lesson. That's the half. That's lesson. the half lesson. Well, okay. I call it, I call it mystery um, because it, it and it's a half lesson for me because I, I can't really tell you what that is. Sometimes it just happens. You know, mm-hmm. this magical sort of mysterious mm-hmm. thing just sort of develops. But you, mm-hmm. you can see it in successful people out there um, in the world. Um, I tell a little Barbara Streisand story about it because uh, she. And if you look at her whole career, she's always been mysterious, right? She sells out arenas coast to coast and then disappears for 10 years and then like does it all over again. Like she really understands the rhythm of Mm -hmm. not having overexposure. And I'm not saying that's what mystery is, but she is a very mysterious person. She never goes on talk shows and she's always kind of had this. Her first big audition in New York, a very famous casting director brought her in. And, and casting directors don't actually cast. This is something that a lot of people are like, oh, really? Casting directors, what they do is they narrow down the talent so that the producers and directors don't have to look at a thousand people. So this, this casting director, Michael Shirtliff, brought her in and put her in the coveted spot because he really liked her, gave her the last audition. So she was going to be the last impression, okay. which is part, part of the mystery, right? Having that. Last yeah. And she walks in. <laughs> well, first of all, she didn't walk in. He calls her name in the wings. She doesn't come out. They call her name again. They're finally like last chance. And she comes comes out chomping gum with a hideous fur coat on. And she's like looking around. And they're like, what is she doing? She drops this fur coat. She puts the gum under a stool that was out there. And then she stood on her mark and sang beautifully. And then she recited her monologue perfectly and said, thank you very much. And she left. And the producers wow. were dumbfounded by this whole thing. <laughs> this fur coat behind this fake, horrible fur coat. And like the, they felt underneath the stool and there was no gum. It was all just kind of a ruse. She wanted to create 
this experience, because huh. she knew if she hit her mark and said, uh, uh, I'm Barbara Streisand, auditionee number 427, right. like, how does that land? You know, it just doesn't. Right. And she knew how to package that a little bit differently. And, um, and so I really dive into, you know, what mystery is, how we can create mm. it a little bit. The one tip I do give people is you can create mystery when you're out networking. And the way you can do that is every conversation that you have, be the first person to leave the conversation. Don't be rude about it. You know, you can be a lot of things. You know, you can be like, this was a great conversation, right? We're leading with the grin, which maybe I can get to in a second. Uh, that's one of the other steps. You know, I feel like we connected on a lot of things. You know, we can hype it up like that. But I got, can I get your card? I got to, you know. And then people say, well, what if I'm not leaving the networking? But I say, that's even better. Because now, now they'll see you from across the way and say, hey, I thought Syndra was leaving. And now you've created a, a thwarted lover sort of feeling, right? And you can call them in a couple of days. And I know it's a little silly. It's kind of a silly exercise. But you leave, you control the end of the conversation. Because so often, as I'm reminded by my wife, you know, you get boring after a while. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can say, this is it, this is the end, this was great, I loved it, give me your card, now we'll talk later, it create. it's almost like a, a, it's almost like a dating concept, you know, like, where you don't call after a couple of days, whatever that was, I don't know, it's been so long since I dated, I don't know how it works anymore, but yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> there, was that, there was that, wasn't there? Like, the there was for sure. Number and, you and there was mystery. Them. Yes, mm -hmm. you needed to create mm -hmm. a little mystery. So, mm -hmm. well, cool. So we got the gift. You got the gift. The lesson one. We got the a half lesson of mystery. What yeah. are the other three? We're going out. We're going out of order. We're going out of order. <laughs> but that's all right, because and now you're challenging me to see if I even remember them all. Um, so there's the connect, right? And that to me, and we were talking a little bit about this off air. Some of this is just repackaging some stuff that 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 people know. The connect, I would say, is akin to, and maybe a, a, an added step, but it's it's akin to personal brand. Like when people leave your presence, what is it that they take mm -hmm. with them? Yeah. How do they how do they remember you? What is the stamp that you leave in their minds? And there's lots of ways, lots of ways that that one can do that, um, but. There's, there's also fun ways and it should be as personal to you as possible. And it's as simple as, well, you were asking about my, um, my background here. I know this is a podcast, but my, my background in my office, I had this boring gray wall, nothing really going on in it. And I also had these baseball cards sitting in a box that were worthless from 1988. So I decided to glue them to my wall. And you know what? It's a talker. Like when you start the Zoom yeah. call, it's just something that people can connect to you. Like, yeah. So they might not remember exactly who they are, you are. You might be like, do you remember Jack? No, not really. He was on that Zoom call. Yeah, there were a lot of people on that. He had the baseball cards behind him. Oh, Jack. You see, right, you see exactly. Kind of those steps go through and yeah. lots of different ways people can do it. Uh, a friend of ours, Holly Hoffman, has she been on this podcast? She and has. Yeah, a while ago. She wears head to toe red, right? And yeah. you know when Holly Hoffman walks in that room. And yeah. so there's lots of ways that people can create that. And that's just uh, just one of those uh, special things. So there you have it. Got the, it. The, the connect. And yeah. you're right. Like I think about the ways I've thought about my personal brand over the years is like, what do I want people to say about me when I leave the room? <laughs> How do I want to be described? Right. Yes. And yes. being intentional about that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and it is challenging. I, I do warn audiences, your connect is not what you say it is. Your connect is how other people perceive you, essentially. So um, so the more That's you true. can think about how getting outside of your own eyeballs and, you know, because we we know ourselves so well, it's like a it's a problem, right? We've lived with our, I'm 43, I've lived with myself for 43 years. So I don't even notice some of the big things, but I'll, the small things, I will, right? Like I had a zit the other day. There was a zit, I'm 43 years old. I had a zit in my face, trying to like wipe it off, you know, like that's going to work. And <laughs> and then I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. If you met me today, you'd be drinking in all this doughy goodness, right? You would be, the zit would just be part of the accoutrement that is Jack, right? But we get obsessed with these small things when we're, or maybe you're fixing the hair in the, in the public restroom and you're really working on that one piece of hair for like a minute. And then you walk out and you have a giant roll of toilet paper in your shoe. You know, like, <laughs> you've missed the big picture. You know, we we get so into the small things about ourselves that we sometimes sometimes can miss that. Hi, this is Cindra Kampoff, and thanks for listening to the High Performance Mindset. Did you know that the ideas we share in the show are things we actually specialize in implementing? If you want to become mentally stronger lead your team more effectively, and get to your goals quicker. Visit freementalbreakthroughcall.com to sign up for your free mental breakthrough call with one of our certified coaches. Again, that's freementalbreakthroughcall.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we got, that's so good. So we got the gift, the mystery, the connect, the shift. The shift. The shift. Does that get, does that get us all of them? That's four. The shift. Is there four oh, and a half or just four? One more. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, the gift. The shift. Okay. So let's talk about the shift. So uh, the shift to me essentially is uh, my take on um, uh, change management. Okay. Uh, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit more than that. Cause some, sometimes I, I tell audiences, you know, change is easy. Sustaining that change—that's <laughs> a whole—that's a whole nother thing, right? So, and this is pot calling kettle black here. I struggle. I love horrible, unhealthy food for me, um, and so like I'll me go, too. I'll, I'll go on these little chocolate would be great. Yo, yeah, Arby's cheese white. curds. Oh, ooh, you're you're speaking my language, uh, <laughs> and so like I'll have a, a lunch. You know, I'll have lunch. I'll have salad maybe for lunch great. Good for me. I made a change. And then dinner comes around. It's like, oh, I have to do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> It's hard. Like it's sustaining. And so um, I really use the theory of, you know, just one thing is kind of my mantra when it comes to change. Find one thing you want to change. And then within that one thing, find just one thing that you can do every day to drive that change and and see what happens five swings with a sharp axe to a tree every day i mean eventually that tree is going to fall if we are just consistent it's not about the change it's about uh it's about consistency i love it when i think about the invisible it right like what we're talking about and all these things that we're even describing thinking about okay as as athletes or leaders or parents or coaches are listening Right. Why do we want it? And I think the reason we want it is to stand out. I think the reason we want it is to connect with others. I think the reason we want it is maybe good for business. 
You know, like yeah. if you're an entrepreneur and if people are intrigued by what you do and who you are, right? Um, you stand out. Are there any other reasons why you would want it? Um, I think there's just a, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I, I think it actually makes our lives simpler if mm. there are, so for example, I, I, I hate to say this this way, but we're in the trust tree, right? We're amongst friends here and friends. Yes. Are Always. Um, but you can get away with some stuff if you, <laughs> if you, if you have a, a thing about you where it's like, oh, that's just, that's just Jack you know, like, like, oh, I didn't turn in my assignment on time. Oh, that's, that's fine. You know, I, I feel like I went to a, a smaller liberal arts school, which I probably shouldn't name now, but I do feel like the smaller class sizes, and I loved my education, by the way, but I just don't want to slam them. But the smaller class sizes allowed me to um, have that personal relationship with my professors. And I think I got the benefit of the doubt on sure. like a lot of things. I was I did pretty well as a student, but there were students that didn't do as well as me. And I think there that were smarter than me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the grades at the end of the day, I, I think there were times when I got that little edge by having by having it. And, and that's ultimately what I'm trying to 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 give people. I don't I don't bluntly say it like that, like, hey, you can get away with stuff now. Um, but but if if you do, it it gives you a longer leash if you do happen to screw up, right? I mean, sure. And I think also it's like, okay, when I'm connected with people, right? And I think that's what we're talking about here. The invisible it is like that you have you, there's some connection, you know. And it's like when I'm connected to people, I'm more likely to remember them. But it's probably true. I'm also more likely to say, ah, you know, get it get it to me tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, there's just some people that you, you don't jive with very well. You, you find reasons to be kind of, maybe it's a boss or something. You find reasons to be mad at that person. Right. Whereas if you do like that person, that boss, and maybe they implemented something you don't like, you, you're more likely to be like, well, I like the boss. So I, I, I'll trust the boss on this one. You know, there's sure. It works yeah. both ways. It yeah. works both ways. So I know you also speak about this idea of the upside. And I'm curious, Jack, um, what inspired you to speak about the upside? And what does this have to do with Yale? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, we're, again, we're in the trust tree here, right? So I, I got to be honest. <laughs> so I do have the Yale thing in the um, in the description when I have it in there, because it's, it's a, it's a talker. Yeah. Uh, I, I get to this right away that I have a certificate from Yale, um, for $25 on Coursera.com. Um, you know, awesome. <laughs> so, but it's, it's, it did get my attention. I was like, well, Jack went to a course at, at Yale about happiness. And it's not a lie. It's not a lie, but it's uh, not exactly truthful either. And I am, I'm very honest with clients when I, when we actually get down to the, the brass tacks about it too. So it, that all started, um, I don't know. Do you remember the year 2020? Does that ring? I remember some parts of 2020. Okay, I don't remember everything about 2020. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nobody does. <laughs> I don't um, want to. <laughs> no, no. There was a little bit of time for speakers to uh, mm-hmm. redevelop our messages. And so I did. I took this class on, um, well, I think it was called well-being or happiness that kind of they kind of worked hand in hand. And I've had some great takeaways. So it is, I think it's still on Coursera.com. And I think if you don't get the certificate, I think it's free. I could be wrong about that. It was at one point. And so it is an interesting, it is a really interesting course that sort of got me um, thinking about a lot of different things in in my life. Like, was it as bad as it all seemed? Because that was a really easy time to get really down. Super down. And then I read another a book uh, called Factfulness by Hans Rosling. Factfulness. Okay. I cannot recommend it enough. There's hmm. a newer version that I think came out right after the, the pandemic. They've been updating this thing. And what factfulness does is it takes all of these stats and just compiles them for you. And you think to yourself, well, what's so fascinating about that? Almost every one of these stats was is jaw dropping, you know, so like we they asked people these same questions that they're going to find these facts on. I'll get to the point here in just a second. And they found that chimpanzees answered better than humans when polled on questions about worldwide hunger on questions about high school graduation rate on questions uh, about. Uh, deaths by natural disaster, really wow. major, huge things that people think are trending in the wrong direction that actually are amazingly trending in the right direction. Wow. For example, worldwide hunger, I'm going to, I'm butchering some of these stats because I don't have them in front of me. So I, I apologize if these are slightly wrong, but they are, they are gen- the general gist is there. In the last 50 years, five, zero years, Worldwide extreme poverty has been cut in half, cut in half. And most wow. people think it's on the rise. High right. school graduation rates, people think they're on the decline. In the last 50 years, high school graduation rates are up 8%. They're hmm. on the increase. You know, people talk about deaths by natural disaster. Most people think those are, are rising. And there is some evidence that that there's more natural. I'm not going to go down that path, but but actual deaths by natural disasters are down by 90 plus percent since the last since 100 years ago, and it's because our warning systems are better and everything's better. And, and people just think that things are getting worse when many many things, yeah. not everything right. in the world. And I'm very clear about that in my presentation. Not everything in the world is getting better. As a matter of fact. Um, some people, you know, we, we stats are showing that that violent crime is, is on the upswing. It is. But if you look at a big chart, and again, I know this is an audio thing and not a, if you go to the FBI website and, and have them show you violent crimes over the last 40 years, you will see that it peaked in 1992. So while we're on the rise, and so your local news will tell you, and they're not wrong, that crime is up 10, 15%, whatever it is. That's true, but it's still down 30% from where it was in 1992. So if you look at that big chart, so even with some news that's bad, we need to zoom out a little bit, right? We need to just zoom out and have some context with it. And so that was really the inspiration for me of 
And, and I love giving this particular, because I'm kind of at a, a tipping point with the age, 43 years old. I like giving it to people who are older than me because their jaws really drop. When I do this for like college kids or something, some they're not as impressed with these stats because they're more in tune with how it actually is today. But as Hans Rosling tells us in Factfulness, we've remembered, we remember the past as more rosier than it actually occurred. And that is, right. I've done studies on this over and over again. And so I tell audiences, I'm like, I'm sorry if you had that game-winning goal in soccer in high school that you thought was so awesome, it should have been on Sports Center. It, it wasn't that awesome. Um, but but here's the good news. Remember that that love of your life, the one that got away because your times together were so special. They weren't that special, right? I mean, <laughs> all, if we can just remember that that we're remembering the past. So many people say, "Oh, TV is is so much you know better, it's so much better back in the day." And I'm like, "Is it?" Because my TV at midnight turned to snow and static. You remember that? <laughs> Channels, I do remember that. Channels just went off the air. Like you're telling you me did. that that was better than we had five options as a kid. We have millions of options, you know, like it's, it's just no way that TV was better than it's so much better now. There's so many other ways to do it, but we view these things. Cars is another one. You know, I, I like going to old car shows. It's fun, you know, but you see some of these old timers who are like, boy, they just don't make them like they used to. And I'm like, Really? Because 100,000 miles, you know, that used to be like a hooray moment for a car. And now it's a midlife crisis, you know? <laughs> That's it, true. And, and uh, they'll, they'll come right back at you. They'll say, oh, yeah, but the chassis, you know, like it used to be steel frame, indestructible car. I'm like, yeah, because we make cars now when they crash, the human survives and not the car. Like it's not that's what our, you know, cars are way better than they used to be. You know, it's just not even close. So but we we remember the past, we love the past, and I don't want to diminish that love for the past, but we also have to be real that the fact is there's a lot of upside-y type things going on. Yeah, well, and I, I'm hearing that it's like, you know, it's about perspective, and I'm curious about what does the upside, in your opinion, have to do, well, tell us maybe what the upside is, and then what does it have to do with perspective? Well, I think the upside really isn't, it isn't a hook quite like the um, intangible. It's not like the upside is this one thing. What I'm trying to demonstrate to folks is that there's so much more upside than we're actually observing. And so I kind of break break it into two parts. Part one is shock them with these stats and these things that they thought were going bad in the world. Okay, now we're all on the same page, right? It's not that bad. Okay, great. But guess what? Everybody we encounter in our lives who isn't in this room right now thinks that all these things are bad. Like, like, so everybody out there, I don't want to make it like an enemy thing, but they're all going to be negative. They're all coming into your life with negativity because as we get older, we just take that baggage. We think it's better in the past, you know, so now how do we combat that? That's what part two is, you know, and it's, and it's using, very similar things to to the intangible it about how when negativity comes into your life what's the how do you how do you um take on those battles so there yeah we well let's 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 dive into that for just a few minutes before we close if that works for you sure. because yeah. i think that's really helpful for people to understand i think that has everything to do with mindset is you know when these negative things come in how do you handle them and do you 
freak out or do you um, maybe in psychology you might say like catastrophize it right or do you use like language that it's like it makes it even worse such as oh my goodness that was so devastating <laughs> when really maybe it was just you know something that happened today and it, we attach a label or meaning to it so I'm curious what oh, sure. what would be something like one thing that you would share with the audience about what to do when negativity comes in well um, I would say there's um, there's something to be said for considering all things in everybody's life. And I'm not saying that we need to assume the worst, but we often jump to conclusions when we don't know the full story, right? If somebody comes into work and they're grumpy today, maybe daycare drop-off was just a nightmare. You know, if one of yeah. your coworkers has been yeah. kind of gloomy for a week or two, you know, maybe their dad's in the hospital. There's lots of these, there's lots of these things. One of the ways I illustrate that is um, through a story, a, a buddy of mine worked for Arnold Schwarzenegger's campaign for governor. And, um, and this was back a, long, a while back, you know, this was before 8% approval rating Arnold. And, uh, and it was, it, it was a time, and, and I don't usually get into politics. I think that belongs on Facebook, but I, um, I did, he's like, do you want to meet Arnold? You know? And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess I will. He's like, great. Come to this call center, pretend you're making some calls. This was right before the election. Arnold's going to come by, shake hands for the cameras and stuff. Um, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. So, okay. So I show up to this thing and my buddy is like white as a ghost. He's like, Arnold's going to be here in a second. We need him to make a phone call because the, the, you know, the local TV crews are here. Um, can he call your cell phone? Cause he doesn't, we don't want him calling some crazy person in Rancho Cucamonga. Can he just call you? And I'm like, sure. So I step out of the room and into this garden and there was, was windows so I can actually see because this was like a big ballroom right so I can see Arnold like dialing my number which was really weird and and he says to me Jack oh and by the way I do terrible impersonations it's on my resume bottom line world's worst impersonations list available upon request says, <laughs> Jack we need you to volunteer will you volunteer <laughs> you know I'm like I don't know but I'm already there right I'm already there volunteering sure yeah I'll volunteer he puts the phone down gets everybody's attention everybody everybody Jack agreed to volunteer and the whole place <laughs> goes crazy with like high fives and stuff and I get a chance to um to sneak in and say hello to Arnold and I shook his hand and a really cool day and that night on the nightly news there was two clips of Arnold doing this one clip was Arnold and I shaking hands, and the other clip was Jack agreed to volunteer. No way. Who knows? It's the same guy in both clips. So, so I just thought to myself, my gosh, we just duped the most powerful man in California. Very innocent duping. Nobody got hurt in the duping, right? But think about all the layers that even he, the most powerful man in California, didn't know was going on. That 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 he that. And, and, and it's just a microcosm of, of what we have in our, in our workplaces or even in our lives. You know, there's, there's this place, I live in St. Paul here in Minnesota and, and, and kind of a busy neighborhood. And there's a place where people double park all the time. <laughs> and, and one time I jumped to conclusions. Somebody was double parked right there. And I just lay into my horn as I'm driving by and almost hit them. And this poor girl in this car was, was sobbing and I look at the front and oh. she had gotten in an accident she wasn't double parked at all I, oh. <laughs> she, 
but I jumped to conclusions like a real yeah. jackwad. And, uh, and, um, and that's just something that I think is so vitally important when we're talking about the upside and dealing with negative people is that there, there may be something else going on much deeper. Not always, but let's just cut leading with, you know, kind of a smile that doesn't cost us anything to do that. So that's, isn't that so true? And we might make assumptions about that has to do with us when really what their behavior likely doesn't have to do with us. Here's like one example. Yesterday, I called my husband on my way home from speaking and I'm like, Hey, what do you want for dinner? And he was like, I don't care. And then like, I was like, Whoa, he's really short. And yeah. then he hung up and uh, I was like, man, I think normally I would have been like, why, why was he acting that way to me? But I took a step back and I was like, what's going on with him that he might have reacted that way to me. And uh-huh. I heard later on, right. That he just had this little spat right before I called him, oh. <laughs> you know, just like a quick disagreement with somebody. Yeah. And, um, and then it was like, oh yeah, that had nothing to do with me. And I'm glad that I didn't take it personally, right? Um, yeah, really. And I think that you know that the semantics matter. I know we're speakers, so we should really be caring about semantics a lot. But it's funny the phrase "I don't care" got me in trouble once a long time ago with my wife <laughs> because we were planning a wedding. Oh, sure. Eleven years ago, ten years ago, and she asked me about something, and I just said, "I don't care," you know that, and. She told me, she said, for the in the future, please say I have no preference. (laughs) (laughs) And to me, that was the same thing in my mind. I don't, it didn't really, I had no preference about it. I guess I did care, but I didn't really. That makes sense. Well, I I think that's actually better for us to say anyway. I don't have a preference. I I don't care. Yeah, because I, then, we, then it's like maybe I don't care about you or something. So hundred percent, yeah, and we yeah. joke about it all the time. Now it's become that's like awesome. Line, like whenever it's just like I have no preference if we see the other person <laughs> maybe teetering a little bit, you know. So oh, fun. Jack, so good. Well, so tell us how we can find more information about your speaking. If people want to pick up your book that you co-wrote, tell us about how we can do that. Oh, hundred percent. I am at don'tflinchguy.com. Don't flinch guy. All one word, no apostrophe, dot com. And uh, on there, that has everything. So I can send you to Amazon too, but you, you, the link's right on that website. My video's right at the top. You can scroll on down, find me on other, other channels. Although uh, I don't do much social media, which I know costs me business, Sindra. I know, I know, I know. Every speaker in the world's like, you need to do more social media. But it's just not, it's not great for my mindset, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not sure you do. So there's (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but I I do check the website a lot. I feel like an old man. I've become an old man. I'm off of that social media that those kids do. And, um, but yeah, don't, don't flinch Um, guy. That's always part of my message. I always say, um, you know, there's no, I close just about every speech with this. There's no silver bullet for success. I wish there was, I wish I could tell you that. But what I will say about every success story, every success story begins with a don't flinch moment. There's a moment in which you went for it, right? So yeah. if you uh, if you love your job, there's a moment you applied. If you loved your wife, there's a moment you asked her on a first date. If you can tolerate your husband, there's a moment you said, this is fine. Um, 
<laughs> there's don't flinch moments. So that's kind of what every presentation for me is anchored in is not just uh, knowing is half the battle. That GI Joe thing is a myth. That's a myth. You know, we get knowing is not half the battle. Knowing's like a little bit. The rest is us doing it and not flinching. So there you go. Awesome. Don'tflinchguy.com. Check it out and you can get his book over there and learn more about speaking. I love what you talked about today in terms of the invisible it, George Clooney story. Awesome. He totally has the it. And we talked about four steps. And a half. The connect, the shift, and the mystery. And at the end, we are talking about um, I like, I'm going to check out that book, Factfulness. That's super interesting and fascinating. Yeah, it's a really fun, it's a really fun read with a lot of just surprising basic stats of things that you, you think aren't going well in the world. They actually are going better than we think. Yeah, I love it. And at the end, um, not jumping to conclusions or making assumptions if people are having negative energy. So Jack, thanks so much for being on today. I appreciate you. And I hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for making us laugh and smile today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sandra. Way to go for finishing another episode of the High Performance Mindset. I'm giving you a virtual fist pump. Holy cow, did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, remember to subscribe and you can head over to Dr. Sindra for show notes and to join my exclusive community for high performers where you get access to videos about mindset each week. So again, you can head over to Dr. Sindra. That's D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A dot com. See you next week.